a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Counseling on Demand. Here's your own private therapist. Anywhere, anytime. Fred Riley. What is up? Welcome to another podcast. This is Counseling on Demand. I am Fred Riley. We are talking about all kinds of topics on these podcasts, especially as related to relationships, uh, mental health issues, diagnoses, and uh, how to work with people, that uh, whether it's yourself or those that you love. And uh, so today we're going to be talking about some ideas for you know, helping a friend, right? A friend that has some type of diagnosis, anxiety, depression, or what have you. And uh, do you ever have those experiences where uh, you want to be there for somebody and, and you find out very quickly that you're in over your head and uh, you're offering all types of maybe ideas unsuccessfully, you feel inadequate. I think we all have had an experience uh, or two like that. And so we're going to talk about some options there uh, to help kind of work and be there with the person, but also not uh, become oversaturated, overwhelmed. Uh, Because, after all, you know, being there uh, is something that you can do, but we have to identify exactly what that role looks like and, and stick to it. So I have nine things to look at nine kind of things to be mindful of to help you stay healthy and at the same time be there for somebody. Uh, So many times in my office, I have people come in and they talk about how they're there for somebody else. And and of course, if you have depression and so forth, you're going to have a tendency to feel like you have an understanding. You're going to be more compassionate and mindful of people that maybe have the same experience. And uh, they come in and they share these experiences, but they with about how they help somebody. But these relationships often become toxic very quick, kind of codependent because uh, we feel like it's our role to be their therapist. So the number one thing to keep in mind of the nine, there's a, there's more than nine, but nine sounded better than ten. Everybody says ten, right? So what is my role? And the role really could be anything, almost anything really, other than the therapist. Your, your job is not to be the therapist. Uh, even if you feel pretty um, adequate, pretty pretty well-versed, the relationship will then build on this idea that uh, you're the therapist and that this individual, this friend, um, is seeking your wisdom and understanding. And that's not a friendship. Let the therapist, let other people have that role. Another thing to keep in mind as you are trying to be there for a loved one, a friend that, uh, again, is trying to deal with some type of anxiety, loss, or whatever, is to acknowledge or uh, appreciate, really, them for coming to you and sharing. 
all right? These are individuals that have something in mind. They've noticed something with you that says, hey, it's worth the risk to kind of throw that out there. And so to help comfort them, give them a place that, hey, they know down the road that maybe they can come to, acknowledge and appreciate them for coming and sharing that with you. Again, we're not trying to set this up as a regular mile post where they they show up anytime. You're not their therapist, right? But you're going to acknowledge them and appreciate their willingness to share. That is going to help them. It's actually going to it's going to allow the the interaction to um, be a little bit more specific and less long winded because part of what they have a tendency to do is they're looking for safety to share. If you acknowledge that up front that they're sharing, then that uh, that part of the of the discussion doesn't need to take place. So, in addition to that, and this is what I do a lot. And as a matter of fact, in college, I was known as the Wow Guy. We had to video uh, record all of our sessions, and uh, when they played back my sessions with people, uh, you, I was the guy that said Wow to just about anything. When you're listening to somebody, they're confiding in you. We feel like we need to give solutions. Right. One of the things that we can do really well is use words like wow or you got to be kidding me. You're you're joining with that person, that friend. You're acknowledging what they're sharing without feeling the weight of telling them what to do. They're trying to be heard. We talk about active listening a lot, but this is a way to not have to repeat everything. It's just wow, you gotta be kidding. And you might do something else like repeat this idea. So you didn't sleep all night. Okay. You're just acknowledging the intensity, uh, the kind of what they've punctuated as the most important part. So words, wow, you got to be kidding. Something my dad used to say a lot is unbelievable, right? That's going to let them feel heard without you having the burden of doing the healing. Okay. Now, one thing to keep in mind is to think about as you this is a place where we have a temptation to reflect and identify, right? Don't you have a tendency to do that where you identify a similarity, you start to tell your story? That's a place we want to be really careful, right? I don't want to go to somebody that will outdo me. That's what I call outdoing you with a war story. So stay away from outdoing with your own war story, okay? Reflect and follow Um with those parts that are similar. I can identify with this a little bit. I had something similar happen, but let's not turn it into a competitive response where we're trying to illustrate that we care for them and the intensity of their experience by bringing the experience back to us. And we have a tendency to do that feeling like we're being helpful, right? We're trying to say, I understand, but we're going to acknowledge, we're going to say, wow, like I said a minute ago, that seems very similar to something I've experienced. Okay. And then we put it back to them and we can talk about that in just a minute. Another thing to do, and then we'll break away for just a minute, is to sit. Okay. When listening, right, you're going to, and being there for someone to feel heard or listened to, we need to be in a sitting position. For whatever reason, sitting allows that person to feel like you're stopping and you're engaged. It allows them to sit down and almost like there's a button on their butt. It's a decompression button that allows them to kind of decompress a little bit 
and focus on the words that they're trying to portray. So you sit, and what I tell people is that you sit with kind of a 45-degree angle towards them. So your shoulders, your nose and toes, right? Eyes and toes follow your nose. Okay, you kind of turn towards them. Very good. I've got my buddy in here <laughs> illustrating this stuff. John, guys, he's back. I'm just, I'm listening. That's all. I'm, just, I'm, I'm just listening. And I felt like you were because of that 45-degree angle. See, I'm leaning forward. Okay. Yeah, okay. So he's sitting down, right? We're turned not directly towards the person, okay? But we're, we've got kind of an open uh, shoulders, eyes, nose, toes. We're facing that direction, right? Eye contact is there, but it's we're at their eye level or a little bit lower. We're not trying to present a place of power, okay? So the first five things we've talked about, ideas for working or spending time with a friend that is confiding in you, understand your role. Most importantly, whatever your role is, it is not to be their therapist. Acknowledge and appreciate them for their willingness to share. That helps them settle down. It helps them not feel like they have to qualify their concern as much. Use words that acknowledge too, like, wow. Let them know that you've heard it. You don't need to give advice. As a matter of fact, they don't really want advice. They just want to be heard. Okay? Repeat important information like, I can't believe you didn't sleep all night. Also, stay away from things like outdoing. Be careful not to outdo them by trying, you know, try to identify with this person and outdo them in terms of your depression, your stress, your anxiety. And finally, the idea is to sit. The body likes to sit. It likes to calm down. Let them know you're engaged with your posture, right? Good eye contact and turning towards them. All right, so we've got four more to go out of these nine, and we'll talk about those uh, in just a couple minutes. All right, welcome back to Counseling on Demand. And we uh, just before we stepped away, uh, we had a great little cameo from John. John, uh, as many of you guys know, he comes in and, and keeps me steady. And uh, he was exercising the sit down and listen approach. And I tell you what, uh, while we were away, I, I had a good session with him. Just the way he sat made me feel like I needed. I'm glad. Yes. I'm glad you were heard. And I, I'm glad that you, I don't know where to go with I'm that. I'm glad that you understand that I'm not your therapist. That's right. I'm glad that, <laughs> I'm glad that you understand. Indeed. Right? By the way, and that's going to bring up something that comes down the line, which is uh, helping a friend understand that the focus of the relationship is certainly not that you're the therapist. So we'll talk about that. We're, we're friends. We're, we're friends. We're friends off the air as well. Right. And so you and I, you and I kind of, you know, vent to each other back and forth on, on text and on the phone. And, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you, you FaceTimed me uh, like 46 times in one day while you were on vacation. So I think you and I have a good understanding. Yes. And that was hard to explain to my it spouse. A, it was a butt dial. Yeah. I, boy, I tell you what, uh, I kept wondering why my battery was dying, <laughs> but uh, I don't know what he saw on FaceTime, but uh, yeah, I was I'll kind of... Say, I, I know you a little bit better than I thought I did. There we go. It was it was almost kind of predatorial or something, <laughs> harassment of some kind. And uh, anyways, uh, 
poor guy. I was in a good place. I'm all right. I'm You're good. all right. He's I'll, okay. I'll get over it. Very good. That's I, got a, what, I got a good therapist. There you go. And that's what a relationship's about, right? You listen to each other a little bit, but the the main part of the friendship is based upon uh, similar ideas and fun, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. So another thing to keep in mind is to empower, and this part is hard, okay, is to empower the person that is listening or that you're listening to. The idea there is we have a tendency, it's kind of flattering, right, when somebody comes to you. It's kind of flattering to be the healer, to give them advice that changes their life or that some kind of takeaway for them. That's not the goal. And those of you that have heard me talk about therapists and quite honestly how much uh, therapy and therapists drive me nuts, right? We are not their heroes. The idea, the purpose of therapy, the purpose of friendship is to take it back to the person, empower them and say, okay, wow, that I can't believe it. So what do you think you're going to do? That's the kind of statement we're looking for. It's we're looking back and saying, oh my gosh, John, I can't believe it. So what did you do? Or what do you think you can do with that? Some people, they don't want that because, and you'll learn very quick, they're coming to you, right, not necessarily to be heard, not necessarily for a fix, especially if they're supposed to participate in it. And so that gives you a good idea of where that relationship or that conversation is going to go. But after all, you want to empower them as a person that absolutely has the best idea for themselves. So encourage, that's number seven, encourage based on an attribute from the past. So be mindful. Uh, Maybe one of my favorite words is determined. So when you're talking and listening to a friend and you've noticed that they were determined in a certain situation, reflect back on that and say, you know, I remember this time where this happened. And it's encouraging because you were very determined. And it seems like this is a good time for that as well. So take them back, empower them, right? And one of the ways to empower them is to identify, reflect upon an attribute that has worked in the past. Number eight, let them know you're here. I like to verbalize that. Now, verbalizing it is not convincing. In a codependent relationship where we're really trying to um, help somebody understand that we can be there to fix them, we explain too much. We want to keep it simple. And the idea is, hey, maybe just like a little tap on the leg or something, you know I'm here. That's it. Not, you know, I'm here because I care and all that stuff. Just, I'm here, okay? That makes it like something a little bit more tangible uh, for them to hold on to. And then this is my favorite, okay? And this is something that helps keep the relationship in line, okay? Helps you decide and set parameters for what the relationship looks like, your willingness to be there, but also what you're looking for in the future. So you've helped this person, you've listened to them, And finally, it doesn't have to be in this order, but towards the end, number nine, is I like to gently move to another more positive area of discussion. Okay, so the idea is, hey, I'm glad that, thanks for letting me be here for you, and then switching it over to something that is working in the world. Okay, what you're doing is you're modeling for them that they can certainly bring things to you, but... The rules of the relationship are that when they bring those things to you, there's also going to be positive things that are going to be brought up. So the relationship's not defined on that, right? So bring good experiences to the conversations. 
what you're telling this individual, this friend, is that you're interested just as much in hearing what's working for them, right? You know, one time uh, in high school, me and my best friend, we used to, it was kind of weird. He had a Ford Fairlane, and we'd go around, and both of us were pretty sure we were James Dean, you know, all that cheesy stuff when you're in high school. We would uh, end up in his driveway, and we would talk for hours. And uh, one day, my friend said, you know, all we talk about is bad stuff. We just talk about things that aren't working. And that was a big moment for me. He said, hey, I'm here for you. But if we're really here for each other, let's talk about what's working as well. That was a game changer for me. So these are some ideas, things to keep in mind. I'm sure you want to be there for that friend. They will know that you want to be there, especially as you use this body language, as you empower them, as you listen. These are great steps to help be present, but also set boundaries so that the relationship is not solely defined, right, upon you being the helper or the pseudotherapist. Hey, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please rate us. Please leave comments. Let your friends know. Let your spouses, family know about this podcast. And of course, please keep in mind to always, that you get to always choose who's in your life.